Hi, I'm Akhil Arora. And I'm Rohan Nahar. Welcome to The Long Take. This week, we're discussing The White Tiger, which is the new Ravan Bharani movie on Netflix, uh, based on the Arvind Adhiga novel from 12 years ago. It stars Adarsh Gaurav, a newcomer, alongside Bollywood sort of uh, veterans almost, Rajkumar Rao and Priyanka Chopra Jonas. What did you make of the movie? I really enjoyed the movie, surprisingly enough. I mean, there are a lot of things about it that I anticipated I would not like, but I ended up liking a lot of it with certain uh, glaring like mm. uh, issues. Uh, but overall, fairly solid movie. Yeah, I think I wasn't enjoying the first half as much. I felt like uh, this book was much stronger in the sort of the developing part of the story, you know, in establishing the groundwork and everything. But I really enjoyed the second half. Um, and I felt like he was able to bring, I mean, when I say he, I mean the director, I uh, was able to bring like, you know, what film making sort of adds to a story, right? In the, the first half, it seemed like a, almost like a very faithful adaptation. And second half, he was like bringing in touches that you cannot do in books, right? You can't have character pauses. You can't have like scenes, which are basically sort of, you know, more like non-verbal sort of things. And that he was able to do much better for me, at least in the second half of the story. So I haven't read the book, uh, but as just like a, a like a isolated like a film, uh, as an independent kind of piece of art, I think it was uh, fairly solid. Although I don't uh, remember Bahrani being this flashy ever. Like this is probably his flashiest movie. Like the touches that he brings. Uh, to the story. Yeah, I feel like he's been slowly going almost like mainstream, right? Like if you, you follow his filmography from like Man Push Card Days, which is so understated, hmm. to like 99 Homes was like his last movie, if I'm not wrong. No, no, no made, which Yeah, I just like tend to ignore that. Like that doesn't even exist in my Birani filmography mind because it was so bad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 99 Homes and then Ferrari and Fofana is almost like reaching like mainstream and flat territory. And he's sort of almost continuing down that path for me almost like that. this is probably his most mainstream movie definitely yeah uh, this is probably his most expensive movie also like man push cart feels like it was made for nothing but this feels yeah. like a it proper... literally feels like that yeah and man push cart is my favorite film of his like still like even after all these years i feel that movie kind of did so much with so little uh and this is in a way the opposite of that because there's so much happening uh like it's just full of plot and it's full of characters and it's very very densely written the story in terms of i mean yeah of... speaking of that like it's it's even denser in the book actually because which yes, is why right. i was not that fond of the first half is because um the first half like in the in the story in the book it's like exploring multiple characters which like the books sort or of, the movie sort of touches upon and then forgets them um, because it doesn't really have that time for them, right? Like, if you're actually going to properly adapt the book, I think you need, like, sort of 50% more time. And there's no way a Hollywood filmmaker is going to make a three-hour movie out of this. Hmm. It felt really, like, breezy also, no? It felt very lean. Yeah. It, there's it, no... It was really breezy. I think that was the, the reason he wanted, he was, he had to sort of cut out the parts. Because right? that, that's what Bharani does, right? He writes, directs, and edits. Hmm. So I feel like he sort of... Pele on the writing stage itself, he cut down like stuff that he knew that, you know, had to fit in like a script level, like whatever, 100, 120 pages, I'm guessing, not more than that. And then I feel like even on the edit table and when he's come back with the footage, he's like, well, clearly I need to like, you know, make it choppy and even more quicker. So he's just taking out stuff that is not like slightly extra, but could have fleshed something part more out. Yeah, yeah, the pa- the pacing is really good in this movie. Like, it doesn't stop yeah. for even a second. And not in the annoying way where you're like, I mean, chill. 
बट इन अ वेरी एंगेजिंग वे वेर यू आर लाइक विद द कैरेक्टर्स एंड यू काइंड ऑफ वॉन्ट टू फॉलो दैम वेर एवर दे आर गोइंग आई थिंक द कूलेस्ट थिंग दैट ही इज डन योर इज मेक फरीदाबाद सिनेमेटिक never thought <laughs> I would see. Uh, Which is like in a way, I mean, I don't know if it's supposed to look like it's just. Does it shot in Faridabad and meant to be Faridabad? Because in the book, it's supposed to be Gurgaon. I mean, it looks. It doesn't. It's not Gurgaon for sure. I know that much. Uh, right. I mean, are, you, are you talking about like the the skyscrapers and all that? Like, well, basically, they sh- they shift to once they go to Delhi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm talking about those scenes. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I guess in, in a way, he sort of changed that because he never really mentioned that, right? Because he just they just say going to Delhi. It's only people. who really know the ncr and sort of will you know sort of figure out what this actually part of ncr is and it's not actually technically delhi it's not delhi i mean it opens in so when it opened uh literally hits you across the face with the deliness of it all you know like that was my yeah. first reaction like oh my god is like going for all you cannot go the... more delhi delhi i mean you can possibly go more delhi just to show india gate but one step below india gate is basically showing the gandhi statue yeah so they go down uh the sardar patel mark and uh, it's a pajero which is like uh, rich delhiites favorite car and then and then you have like punjabi mc playing on the on the on the radio <laughs> that's actually interesting to me because that's not, that's not how it is in the book and there's yeah. like a hit and run yeah the funny thing in the book so was me was that uh, which they changed it was that so the car the the, the pricier car which like the number one driver actually has in the book before balram was this honda honda city and balram used to have to drive the maruti suzuki but now he's changed it to make me make the honda honda city the second car and then pajero because the first car is like uh that's interesting i mean i'm not sure that would like i guess it applies to people who are like who are from dhanbad i guess i think that's an interesting point because pajero feels exactly the sort of car these people would drive you know because yeah i mean the interesting part about the story is that everyone in a way is kind of subservient right that's the larger theme like everyone even yeah. if they are uh, quote unquote masters to other people they are subservient to people who are more powerful than them uh and so yeah. uh, rajkumar rao's family with mahesh manjrekar and uh, vinay morya and all those people i'm forgetting the name of the family what they called like they're just given like animal names right Yeah, they are given. They they were mostly called anything. It's it's just Ashok, right? There's no Ashok last name. It's just Ashok and Mangus and Stork. That's it. There's there's no actual last names for them. I think from what I remember. Hmm. So I mean that's the thing, right? So they're they're like the the kings of their whatever kingdom in their their tiny empire there. Yeah, but they're again yeah. they have bosses over them, right? That's I mean that's the whole like rooster. Coop like analogy that they make, right? Like this always going to be someone who's sort of above you. Hmm. So when they come, when they come to Delhi, that's the cool part that I notice is when they come to Delhi for the first, not the first time, when they when they move to Delhi, uh, hmm. they're just as awestruck by the city as as Balram is, you know. Uh, to them, yeah. this is just like a new world, and they are just small pawns, like they don't really, they're insignificant in the in the world that they've entered. and i think that's a really cool thing that the movie touches upon which i felt also you know a lot of these movies do like this is not a a, a new theme and especially last year when we had like parasite and serious men uh, yeah. uh both those movies touched upon this theme you know like how everyone is based it's like a darwinian world out there even for the rich and the poor yeah but at the same time it's also what what the the point i think it cleverly makes is and this sort of one scene stands out to me is 
there's a huge difference in these two worlds, right? Where one sort of world ends, the other almost like not even begins. Even the beginning of the other world is so far away from the the end of this world, right? And the the scene that sort of really stood out to me is sort of comes deep in the movie after sort of Pinky's left for America, uh, is when they sort of like they sort of he's bonding with um his master, right? He's going on like sticking to his like local food stalls and going to the temple and all, and in said temple. Uh, there's like this tiny shot, like which is, I mean, in a way, feels like almost emblematic of the movie to me. Is when uh, Balram steps forward and puts like I think one or two co- like rupee coins in the donation box, and then the hand of the master comes in and he puts a hundred rupee note in. I was like, this is perfect. Yeah, little touches like that. Was that in the book? No, it wasn't the book. So I think like, that's the I like the second half more is because these are there are mul- sort of multiple sort of these touches which sort of like you know add to the story. Like I was disappointed when the movie began. And I was like, oh, he's still doing Bangalore 2010. I was like, I was really hoping he would update the story for today because it could like it could be more powerful in some ways than the movie is not as powerful, right? Like the whole Chinese angle didn't seem relevant to me anymore from the story. It feels very tangential. Uh, and the whole like the way the movie ends is with him becoming this sort of you know taxi whatever o- owner and renting and having his own drivers. I'm like, well, if this was happening today, this guy was basically be. You know, disrupted by Uber, like then he's not an entrepreneur anymore. He's just an employee for Uber now, and that, I feel like that would add an even more funny sort of angle to the story. Which I don't know why he didn't go for that uh, updating the story, like bringing it ten ten years forward. That's interesting. What I felt was, and obviously I haven't read the book, but my uh like my frame of reference is always like Slumdog. Okay, so Slumdog came out in what two thousand eight, right? So it's been yeah more than a decade. And I just compare the tones of those two, like these two films, Slumdog and uh, White Tiger, and you can see the difference in how the world has evolved just by looking at these two films, right? Like that, that was yeah. much more hopeful, you know. And I think that also says a lot about the director who's making the movies as well. I mean, there is a dig at Slumdog in this movie, right? Which I cannot yeah, like. It that's can't, again, which is was not in the book, yeah. Because I remember, like, I I remember Arvind Ardiga said something about Slumdog, like that there was some quote floating around about him liking Slumdog and stuff like that. I'm sure like people made comparisons to to the book and the film as well when it came out. But I remember he he said something about it, and obviously the movie has like a very direct dig almost at Slumdog. He's like that is. Yeah, so I just googled it, and it's the book came out in the same year as the movie, so it's probably just like a few months Haan, apart. So yeah, why? So but this feels like a direct, like, uh, almost like a takedown of that school of filmmaking, which I found was very uh, un uncharacteristic of uh, Ramin Baharani. You know, like he seems like a very chilled out person who wouldn't be this <laughs> angry. But this this is an angry movie. Yeah, this is an angry movie. Like I think you. Which I feel like is always been present in his sort of I think films. It's just I think seeing how the world has sort of been evolved in front of him, right? I think so that I think in a way has a contributed to making Barani angrier, right? Because he's he's always made movies about marginalized folk on the living on the edges, right? Right from Man Pushcart, like no one's like you don't see movies made of the Muslim character as the hero in two thousand five when he made that, right? And he's he's always continued in that way, and since making it, like even when he ma- went mainstream with Nine Nine Homes, he was still making movies about you know the people living on the fringes and how they're coping. So in a way, so I he's like, making movies about people living on the fringes, but his movies are like very very like poetic, right? There's yeah. no anger, 
like i don't sense the anger like there is obviously the subtext is there but he's not focusing on that he's focusing on the humanity of these people which is not present here this is like a deeply cynical movie this is an angry movie this is this is like a response to you know the world that we live in which is basically where the wealth gap has only increased in these last whatever yeah, 10 years yeah so i think obviously the other reason difference here is that this is the first time i think he's not picks a, a restored in a story for himself right like fahrenheit 451 was the other one hmm. but the reason he sort of picked this movie bo- book as well is because he's a close friend of adiga's right i mean the literally the book is dedicated to ramin barani it can't yes. get any closer than that right so he's he's choosing the, he's chosen the book for like a very strong reason there and i think that that's more of like a you know force for him to adapt the story than anything else possibly possibly and i can't imagine the pressure you know like if the book's dedicated to you and you're kind of <laughs> yeah, i think i think i would never touch it like if i if i white tiger like you know award winning novel and someone like wrote my name which like god forbid would, would never happen someone did that i was just be like no you just keep it it's like a holy grail i don't want to adapt it cuz then be like imagine remember the guy whose book was read to him and then he, he produced a bomb out of it yeah i mean i can't But Ramin Bharani isn't the first name that pops into my head, despite the fact that the book is dedicated to him to direct this. Like I wouldn't imagine. Like I would obviously imagine some Desi guy, you know. Like obviously, yeah. Uh, which I think is a nice segue to the fact that the movie is in English. What do you make of that? I mean, we we really had a lot to say about Suitable Boy, which did a similar thing as well, not very effectively. What do you want? Sir, with your permission, sir, I want to be a driver for you, or for your son. Are you a Muslim? No, sir. I bathe regularly. I keep myself clean, sir, and I'm not lazy. Right. So I think the difference here, to me, which like it didn't, why it didn't bother me so much, was because of the way it's structured. Right. Uh, for most of the English, from way how I perceived it, I could have you know forgotten some parts, was from the narration point of view, uh, which in a way then makes sense because this is the future. Balram talking to us by a point where he sort of mastered this language and it com- it's completely fine if it's if narration is English. I think the only problems for me was when if they would do English in the middle when his English wasn't that fluent. Although like he was shown as a kid and like speaking like very good English, so in a way you can explain that away as well. What was your problems? So they have done a lot of hacks, you know, like very noticeable hacks to kind of address this. Which is a what you mentioned. Yeah. Yes, he knows English. He's learned English as a kid. We see that. Uh, there is also the narration mm. which happens throughout the film, which happens obviously at a time when he is proficient in the language. uh what i yeah. also noticed was that his accent is different so when he's when he's a driver for a shock his accent is different as compared to when he's an entrepreneur uh and i think that is a like it works subconsciously i don't know if it will hmm. it'll work with white people uh but i'm guessing it might because it just sounds different and you might not notice it immediately but uh i i don't even i notice it like towards the second half i was like oh so that's what they're doing like he sounds browner when he's a driver right um uh, but he sounds more urban when he's an entrepreneur i think that kind of subconsciously plays uh into it and works uh it's obviously not as jarring as suitable boy where it did not work for me at all i was like why are these people talking uh obviously priyanka chopra's character and ashok are I mean, we can talk about Rajkumar Rao, which I he I thought he was the weakest link by far. Yeah. So 
I completely understand that they're talking in English, like which is how we do. I mean, the podcast and everything. I mean, anyone who's in sort of our social economic class is going. To, I mean, especially if the the number of years Ashok has lived in the US, you know, then I completely understand he would be talking English all the time. But this accent, yeah, that did not work for me. I'm sorry, but like either the dialogue dialect coach was not able to do a good job, or maybe Rajkumar Rao just didn't wasn't had enough time to actually get a hand on it. I don't know why they I they should have just put a they should have put a stop to it immediately when they saw it wasn't working. I don't understand why they do this. It it sticks out like a sore thumb. And Rajkumar Rao is like my, f- and I've gone on. He's my favorite Desi actor. Of his age, like I think he's really yeah, he's good. a really good actor. Don't make him do something that's clearly not working, right? Like do what do this at the rehearsal stage. Have him do readings with you know Adarsh Gorav and Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Doesn't fit, chuck it out, and then just be like, okay, fine. He's been back in India for a while, so accent is gone or whatever. Just rewrite it. Just find out, or just I don't know, hire someone else. I don't know if that's very important to you, which I yeah. guess was. If, yeah, if it's really important to you, then yeah, hire someone else or just get rid of it. I mean, I could never even imagine this being a problem in the book because books don't have accents, all right? That was completely fine, whatever it was written. But like when you're doing it on screen, this is a very th- important thing you have to be careful about. And if you if you if you screw it up like this, and it just sounds odd. So half the time he sounds like he's between Indian and American accents, and sometimes he'll do pronounce one word like very American way, and I'll just be like, huh, what? Where did that come from? Yeah, yeah his accent is very very jarring. And it's not work, and it's not consistent. You know, like it's not that sort of accent Which where is, you're like, oh, so like he's it's, in it's the middle. Justified killing him for the accent alone. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is that this is not the first time he's done this. He was in this movie called Omerta a couple of years ago. Yeah. In which he played a British guy, uh, the terrorist, right? Uh, and in that movie, mm. he's doing a British accent. I mean, by doing a British accent, I'm what I'm saying is that he's doing exactly what he's doing here. Which is not doing it well. So if <laughs> that was the worst part about that movie as well, and that movie was ninety nine percent Rajkumar Rao. So you can imagine how annoying it was. Oh God! Yeah. Here he's not there too much, and his character's anyway despicable. So I'm like, uh, what? It sort of go- go- goes with the theme of the movie. Yeah, like I'm like, yeah, kill him for the American accent. Kill him for the American accent. <laughs> what is happening? Like he's a very interesting character, but I just couldn't. And Rajkumar Rao is visibly just overwhelmed by the accent. Like he cannot deliver a performance because he's concentrating so hard on getting the accent. <laughs> and you can see it on his face. Yeah. I'm like, dude, if you just if you weren't so preoccupied with this nonsense. This character is really interesting. He's the sort of guy who would like wave the Desi Indian flag at like storming of the capital or something like twelve years later. He's that sort of person. So tap into that mm. energy, you know. Tap into that energy. You're just wasting your time. Everyone like Ramin Baharani is wasting his time also by like focusing on the accent. Just stop it. Uh, but that's the major, like that's the yeah. biggest annoyance with the movie, which is weird. Like I don't usually mind. Acting like I'm not the big greatest judge of like good acting or bad acting, but speaking of good acting though, but I really enjoyed Arthur Scott. Very good. I mean, I don't think I've seen him anywhere else. Maybe he's been somewhere else, but really enjoyed. So him. I remember I I saw him in uh, a a very very low key sitcom on Amazon. I think it came Kenny Sebastian's okay. sitcom on Amazon. Uh, I think a few years ago he played a supporting role in that. Uh, and I don't really remember him from that. Like I don't remember what sort of character he played, but I remember he was in it, and that's all I've seen him in. Right. Uh, but this is like a star-making turn. Like just 
top this you know like a like a really really like genuine old fashioned star making performance in your first big movie like how do you top this and you're just <laughs> stuck in this shitty industry which will probably just i mean he can hope for i mean he can he it's like suraj sharma you know like i know he did homeland but uh, yeah, so hopefully he's less suraj sharma and more dev patel dev patel but yeah more dev patel dev patel is like an anomaly yeah but you can hope right like like at least he deserves a shot at being like a dev patel but dev patel is more of a conventional leading man you know what i'm saying he looks like a he has a leading man charm uh and a large part of that is because he was in such a crowd pleasing breakout film here he's like this morally ambiguous guy you know like you don't really like him uh and he's like sneaky and weasley and stuff so Although he's just, like he's made a little like better like than he comes across in the book uh yeah. in the book also like i mean they, they don't even so it right at the end if you remember the movie speaks about this uh they bring in this poet thing right about this Iqbal the muslim poet who said something and he he says something about that right like one like one random mention out of the blue he talks about some line the poet wrote uh but that's like a constant running theme in the book where he sort of in the very beginning itself he brings about uh the fact that i think he first i don't know which what he first says first but he says that basically he sort of hints or suggests that he doesn't like any muslims so like he basically like multiple times in his narration he'll sort of you know chide them or whatever for their behavior so it, you know he's a muslim hater almost uh but then he'll go on to say that all his four favorite poets are muslim and he'll keep saying the names of three and then he's like i forgot the fourth name and which is why sort of it's become like a recurring thing where he's like you know the best four poets in the world are muslim and, he, and then he eventually the line comes which comes in the movie which sort of now feels like a random thing in the movie to me but anyway so yeah so in that sense he's actually been made to look better in a way so that has been taken away like his they they show the you know the upper caste the ashok and his family as muslim haters but they don't show balram as that hmm i guess i mean he's already like he has he he holds so many prejudices already like so that once you communicate that then it doesn't really matter if he's like also a bigot yeah but um, eventually like even the thing is in because the the world itself is so morally dubious and in, in a cynical place is that he's why you finally rooting him for him right uh, especially after he's made to sign that fake confession and you just like then you're like yeah screw these idiots like screw all over them all oh yeah that is like the pivotal scene right that is like uh, the moment yeah. where he kind of snaps into gear almost so yeah. that's interesting right like is he was he always this person that he's become or is 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 this is he like a product of his environment is this like something that he was no i think it's more like the straw that broke the camel's back thing moment sort of thing for at least for me hmm. is that it was sort of building to it right like you f- treated him so badly like again and again and then finally he he knows the reality of the world he lives in right hmm. he's they made the movie makes a very clear beginning itself mein ki if he ever screws up the reason they the first thing they did was get his family's address and see how many they were right because if you steal and if you run away that that's where they'll go and they give they give us that 
graphic like this pura uh, you know display of how what will happen to them he he basically sanctions his own family's death right yeah eventually uh, he does i mean they leave it mm-hmm. leave it ambiguous and they don't actually explicit it but you know it's going to happen no no but they do right he reads a newspaper right where ha but say no i'm saying they're still leaving it ambiguous right this is saying a family of 17 dead in north indian village like it's not even specific so in a way you're leaving it ambiguous but we all, all of us know that it's going to happen but that's a cynical part right it's this movie is so damn cynical is is basically like his family does not care about him he does not care about his family eventually uh his employers don't care about him obviously he doesn't care about his employers he kills ashok i mean in a way it's not it's cynical because he's that's what like the movie trying to explain right like the, if you if you play that part if you just like you know i want to keep my family safe and you know i want to serve them and not be sold to them he's just going to be stuck in that rooster coop he describes right he's going to keep sending money mm. to his family they're going to get him a bride or whatever marriage and he's they're going to keep sucking the life blood out of him which is why his brother kishan exists right and the whole point of kishan the character existing is to explain what he does not want to become is to become this you know sort of character that it's basically is like his family becomes a leech on him so if you want to, if you're going to want to break out of the system and you know actually like rise from that le- one level to the level of you know the the men, men men with the bellies then this is the only way you have to yeah, this is what i thought like i thought uh nawazuddin siddiqui's character in serious men was like a psychopath you know for what he did which is basically uh, compared to uh, balram he's like a, he's he's like a sweetie you know he 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 was he just basically conned a lot of people this guy is like going around not just conning people but he's also like doing murder and stuff i mean yeah but because you you treated him like dirt right you you were the responsible under you drunk and you then you hit someone and you like cool let's blame it on driver i mean what do you expect him to how much do you expect the character to take after a point this is a fairly common thing is what i'm trying to say like for for rich people to kind of blame their drivers for hit and runs is fairly common i'm not talking about yeah i'm saying which is what makes i feel at least for me that's what makes it so powerful right mm-hmm. i'm not talking is about bhai uh, also like it just happens a lot like i know people who who tried to pull yeah, I mean, stuff like this so in a way then it, i feel the movie is not very cynical then right because it's it's just it's telling of how terrible our situation is I mean I I don't know if you have like time for a personal anecdote but like a f- a, f- a friend of a friend um had like a road accident okay and hmm. um I mean this might add context to the story or the film's story they had like a road accident and they they crashed their car into a bike a biker the biker was hmm. a food delivery guy uh biker dies okay uh guess what happens they go to the cops it's a non bearable offense uh but the food delivery guy's family comes to the police station and basically a deal is struck where an amount of money is given to the food delivery guy's family they accept the money it's all brushed under the rug everyone goes home which is what happens here at the very end of the movie almost right which in a way like is squeezed into the epilogue it's a little more fleshed out in the book right? they have a little more time on the page uh is where uh one of balram's driver causes an accident um and then balram steps in 
and they make a point actually i think with that story i think the balram's the driver cause accident i think is muslim i might be wrong and balram in, in the movie he says that right I'm, i'm taking the blame like it's it's you know my car whatever and then he pays off the family right and like even he literally allows the brother who's standing there to literally go to the police station he's like yeah go complain because he's bought the cops so like yeah go complain what you want um and they never even file the fir they keep delaying it and they're like yeah come in the morning come in the morning that's the thing right like poor people in our country are just like there's no there's no value to life yeah there is like it's if in like bombay where you live like every year people die of floods right like bridges fall on people's heads and everyone's yeah. just like oh like 10 people There's died no accountability yeah like at least it wasn't 11 so like yeah i mean even right now i mean forget like you know actual accidents even voluntarily like like right when they're rolling out the vaccine right now um we there is one candidate of the vaccine covaxin which is not proved right right the phase 3 hasn't been passed so the way the government is pushing it is oh you sign this consent form if something happens to you we will pay you compensation what the heck is going on like that's not how vaccinations happen you can't compensate people for their lives if something happens to them but this is how like india functions right like there's a value attached to everyone's lives and depending on what ladder of the society you are on the yeah. value varies. and i think ramin baharani being an outsider kind of captures the social hierarchy very very well um i mean to an extent you know like i'm certainly not the most uh like i'm i wouldn't count myself as being very very uh, in tune with the real world you know quote and quote whatever the real world is not at all i would completely i would go further and say that i basically live so, in a bubble so when you know you have those shots those brief shots in the movie where they're driving on the streets of delhi and he will cut to like a homeless family it that's when mm. you kind of realize hmm this is this is what you i mean i would also observe uh when i'm on the streets of this city or basically any city in this country is on one side you have like your malls and stuff you know where people are driving in in their lamborghinis and whatever the hell and then right across the street you have like a bunch of homeless families and it's just there right i mean in delhi it's not as the divide yeah. isn't as noticeable uh as compared to bombay which is very yeah. very bombay because like, there's literally no space for them hmm. to like even space out these differences hmm. right they like yaad jagah nahi hai so basically yahan sky skyscraper khatam hua and then slum next which to is it. a lot of a lot and of filmmakers have kind of visually represented this very well like obviously serious man did this very well but also like i think gali boy mein zoya akhtar did this very very nicely when she kind of framed lots of shots in the film with like these huge skyscrapers yeah. but also like you know murad looking up there's also like few nice shots of this in i mean the movie wasn't any good but uh ye ballet from last uh, year yes 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 had a had a had a couple of good shots of this as well i mean the, the opening shot was very good as well because it was it, it basically had like a drone shot which in a way it's it, itself sort of adds to a grandeur of any place right mm. and then it ends up first it shows us like the ceiling the you know the extreme end of not like just ceiling on the it starts off at land's end you see land's end and then you see the ceiling and then you kind of yeah and then you pan down and then you see like slum kids just dancing it out on the edge of like 
Aslam. And it's like, I'm just like, yeah, that's it. That's Bombay. Like, you can end the movie then and be like, decide Bombay on the screen and then walk mm-hmm. away. But here, you know, it's different, right? Because you will not have, yeah. you will not have homeless families, uh, say, in Sardar Patel Mark. Because they simply won't be allowed yeah. to stay there. Uh, so, th- it's easy for the rich to kind of live in their bubbles in this city. In Delhi, what is what I'm saying. Yeah, you can literally brush away the people on the, to the outskirts, essentially. Mm-hmm. What do you think about an outsider kind of capturing? Uh, I think because I've see- seen Barani's work before and, you know, the, the stuff he's done before. I mean, himself is an Iranian, firstly in America. And then he's always captured stories, you know, where he's always focused. Never he's the tri- I don't think he's had a single movie. Uh, I mean, yeah, 19 Homes is probably the only movie which focuses on, like, white people in America. Otherwise, he's always, like, focused on, you know, people of color, even in the U.S., uh, so I, I naturally trusted him coming into this uh, to n- know that he would, you know, get t- take an eye to this movie, which should not feel like an outsider's gate to me. So I never had that problem. At any price had like Zac Efron in it. <laughs> so I thought I even liked Slumdog. Like, what's your take on Slumdog? Like, uh, there's a lot of like renewed backlash against Slumdog, which like occasionally pops up. But I really enjoyed Slumdog for what it was. I think I enjoyed Slumdog as well, but this is again like speaking for an Akhil 12 years ago, right? Uh, I haven't seen it ever since. So I can't really say how I'll perceive it now. Uh, but like I do get the takes. I mean, I mean, even the, going by the memory of what I have a movie and the, you know, the what's lobbied against the movie of the, you know, the sort of the fantasy of it. The fantasy sides of it, I those criticisms I completely do understand. I mean, it, it's like literally romanticizing poverty, which is yeah. not okay. I mean, we know now it's not it's okay. Not okay. But like yeah. <laughs> 12 years ago, people were... Especially not okay when a British filmmaker comes here and does it. Yeah. It just feels like an added layer of insult to it for me. I mean, uh, not to do another personal anecdote, uh, but uh, when I... So I applied to film school many years ago. Uh, and in my interview, the guy, uh, like the guy wasn't, uh, Indian. He was a white guy, white American guy. So he asked me like what I thought about mm. Slumdog and I told him I didn't like it. Like, so I'm the opposite. I've, I've grown to like that movie over the years. I initially did not mm. like it. So I told him I didn't like it, but then his perspective was very interesting. He's like, we don't see spirit like this in America. Like, so that is what attracts Perhaps, you know, a foreign audience to a movie like Slumdog. They're like, uh, it's literally romanticizing poverty. They're like, look at these poor people. They have nothing but they're happy. Which is something I've heard like even Indians say. It's not like a white person. Yeah, but that's a, which, which even this like the movie has as well. Right? Yeah. And the, it's a short is lovely because it, it instead of focusing on Rajkumar Rao's face, it, it's, you know, smart enough to focus on Adarsh Gaurav's face hmm. when he says that, you know, I wish I had a simple life like yours. And I'm just like, Oh my god, I'm sure like Balram just want to slap him for this right now. Which is exactly the difference, you know, these 12 years have made. It's yeah. like the gaze has shifted from, we aren't looking at them as outsiders. Like this movie kind of puts you in that place. And like, you think these people are different, but no, and essentially <laughs> you're also like, it's about servitude, right? You're also serving someone. You just don't know it. Yeah. Alright, that's all for this episode of The Long Take, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at The Long Take Pod. You can write to us at thelongtakepod at gmail.com. 
please leave us a rating and a review where you were listening to this episode and we will see you next week